Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Donna Armstrong. Donna started her career in 1992 in the meeting and events industry after receiving her bachelor's from Northwood University. She worked full-time as an event producer while also pursuing her biology degree from the University of Georgia. An opportunity arose for her to start an event production company in Atlanta, which resulted in successful operations for 14 years. Client vision and experience satisfaction, as well as navigating relationships between providers and end users are two strong skill sets that the industry naturally develops along with traditional business skills. Donna's company received local, national, and international awards. After selling her business and taking a few years off while her son was young, she re-entered the industry as a director of meetings and events for a museum in Atlanta until she met her current partners of Promethean Dental Systems in early 2019. She was instantly intrigued by the concept brought forth. The dental educators demonstrated technology and dental education integration that was unmatched in their minds in a generational transformation in learning. Their challenge was introducing this new tech to supplement and complement existing educational standards. Promethean Dental Systems Educational Center was created to fill this role. Dawn has been leading the design and operation of the business services her entire career. She's been focused on providing services that balance operational efficiency and world-class customer experience. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Donna Armstrong. Donna, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I know that your entree into dentistry isn't as similar as uh, my other guests, but I'm fascinated by some of the stuff that you're doing. And I really wanted you to be a guest on the podcast because I think my audience is definitely going to find this very interesting to listen to. So if you could give us a little bit of your background and then how you really entered into the field of dentistry, because your role is new in dentistry. You've never been in the field before. So give us a little background on what you've done and then how you ended up in this great new company. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. You know, what I'm going to say is this didn't occur to me until recently, but I think there was something in my life that actually pulled me towards dentistry. And the reason why I say that is because my mom and my stepdad actually owned a barber college. And I used to work there when I was little and I learned about how in history, dentists and barbers were basically the same. They had the same type of chair. And I had this antique chair that I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And I kept that forever. And so many people told me it was a dentist chair and I was so drawn to it. Fast forward a little bit. As I got older, I actually worked for my dentist during my senior year in high school. That was my co-op. I left school early. I went and worked for my dentist, Dr. Larry Hallenstein. And he kept saying, Donna, I think you should be a dentist. Donna, I think you should be a dentist. And I said, no, no, that is just not the career for me. And so 
I obviously went to school for something else, did an entire 25 plus years uh, in the event and meetings industry. And lo and behold, come full circle. And I just, it makes me smile actually when I think about Dr. Larry and where I am today, because I think he would be just completely blown away to find out that I am working in this industry. So what had happened was over uh, several beers and a UGA LSU football game down in New Orleans, my husband and I met my partner, Mike Hill, and Mike Hill introduced Scott, my husband, Scott, to Dr. Rick Callen and Dr. Jerry Cooper. And they threw out this idea that they had had and said, you know, we really want to bring this to life. We really see this transforming the dental industry. And, you know, would you be interested in, in helping us out? And so that was kind of the beginning of that. You know, we thought about it and we started getting involved. And I actually started working with Mike and Dr. Callan and Dr. Cooper in April of 2019. And the story has just gotten more interesting ever since then. The, the way that this has taken all of these different directions, the way that we have met the most amazing people so far on this journey in the small amount of time that we have been in it. It's, it's just fascinating to me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to hear this idea from Dr. Rick and Dr. Jerry and bring it to life. What was it that you were doing early on in 2019 that you supported them with? Well, first of all, I had to learn a lot because I did not know anything about the process of what students go through when they're going through dental school, what they're going through to try to get admitted into dental school. I didn't know anything about that. So I had a lot of learning to do, but once we started actually working with the Semadont and I was working with the pre-dental students, I realized the need. I could, I could immediately see the benefit of having this particular technology in their lives at that time. I worked with those students one-on-one in every day and I could see them progress. I could see them come in completely confused and a little bit nervous about what they were about to do when they sat down at the Simidant. And after just 30 minutes on the machine, you could see that they thought this was the coolest technology ever. But the best thing about this was I saw their confidence level rise from the very first time they got on the machine to six sessions later when they were finished with their course. And they just had a huge smile on their face. And they said, I cannot believe I actually know I can do this. I, Cause there's no other way for them to tell whether or not they have this, the psychomotor skill that they need to get through dental school. So many of those students that I worked with were, were actually juniors and therefore doing their application process and hoping to get interviews in the fall of their senior year. And the ones that I, that I that did come back and reach back out to me because I said, please let me know how, how it went. They came back to me and they said, Donna, you would not believe. I went into those interviews and those interactions with all of the different faculty or dental students at the dental school. And I had a level of confidence in me that I just, I just knew 
they couldn't, there was no question that they could ask me or nothing that they can challenge me on that made me feel like I could not do this. And so I'm just really, really proud of them. Yeah, what an amazing feeling and good for them to be able to go from, you know, a complete novice and with zero understanding, right? And then how long did it take them to get to that confidence level? I think that they were probably really gaining that confidence by about the fourth uh, session that they were on. But within our course, they take six sessions, six one hour sessions a week apart. So by the very end of their last session, they, they had it. They, they knew, they knew because they're, they're, they're looking and they have the look and the feel. They know exactly what they're doing when they're shadowing with a dentist, which they were all working on that as well. All of the hours of shadowing that they have to accomplish, nothing compares because they can't touch anything there. They can't touch anything. Even students who have a family member that is a dentist that maybe they're shadowing in that practice, um, they still can't work on a patient. No, no, it's in, and in fact, you know, with the COVID shutdown, that was one of the biggest concerns that some of the pre-dental students had up here, up north where, where I am, about getting into school because there was still this significant requirement, but they couldn't go into any offices. So how were they going to get this requirement accomplished? Now, of course, many of the schools just in ADEA, I believe, set it aside for last year and possibly for this year, but I don't know that for sure because I haven't asked anyone. So one of the things that I started to do was the pre-dental clubs that I'm aware of, and I, I actually had a, a patient's daughter who grew up in my practice reach out to me and say, Dr. Hanlon, I, I can't find a shadowing position. Is there anything at Tufts you can do? And I said to her, no, but what I can do is I know a lot of dentists in the area that are looking for assistance. And so if you have flexibility with your time, why don't you offer to become a dental assistant in their practice? Then they can train you on the job and you'll get experience in addition to being right there in the mouth and seeing what they're doing. And I can't even tell you how many students I connected that way and, and even students from my own school who, you know, forever will be grateful. Even the students that were in school because they didn't have their clinic time, we connected them with, with docs and alumni on the outside and oh my gosh, they've had great experiences. So anything we can do, I think is critically important to helping improve their experience. But I wanna go back now to the beginning of the pre-dental uh, discussion that you were having. When someone is sitting down at the simbiodont, and let me just say the first time I ever sat down on one, I was totally blown away, totally blown away. I could not believe how much it felt like a real tooth. I could not believe how much the, the handpiece felt like and weighed the same amount as a handpiece. Um, the whole experience just was incredible. So I can see where this is going to really change uh, the educational model quite a bit because it's really where we need to go. So anyway, going back to the pre-dental students, how many have, have any come that, that have not been able to get it on the, that six week turn of time? Yes, there has been a few. Um, my, I kind of estimated at about maybe 5% of the students really, really struggled with it. And 
I can remote view. So we we're remote viewing when someone is is on the Simodon. So we're looking at a, a laptop is what we have. We we're watching them. And, you know, sometimes people just need a little bit of guidance. You know, hold your mirror this way. You know, it it tilts this way. It will tilt many different directions. And so they need a little bit of guidance, but there, there are, there were about 5% of students that just really never reached the level that we, that we would like to have seen them reach even after the six sessions. So in, in reality, those students now know for sure that they shouldn't really waste their time going to dental school because their eye-hand coordination is never going to be at a place where they're going to be successful. And why should we, why would we set them up, you know, from the get-go not to be successful? And, and I think that this is where you guys are going to really, really improve the system overall, because those poor students, two years in and they get to the clinic and they're working, starting to work on patients. They've struggled. Maybe they've made it through the mannequin session, the pre-clinical mannequin sessions for the two years, but then they get in the clinic. There's no, no way they're going to make it through the clinical session and, and, and become a dentist because their hands and their eyes just don't connect. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's not, it wasn't my job to tell them that, you know, it, it's, um, they know if they're struggling with it. And so they can take that information and they can change directions if they choose to. You know, some people may not. Some people might say, I'm still going to go for it because this has been a dream of mine. But we say better to know at that point, because if you think about it, and we even try to encourage students to come in, come in as a freshman, come in as a sophomore. Don't you don't have to wait till junior year. It's just that they tend to feel like they're gearing up for that. And they want to do, they want all of that prep at the same time. I hear that a lot from them, but you know, when I'm speaking with them personally, I say, look, come in as a sophomore, because wouldn't you rather know now as of even, even one more year could be detrimental because my, my son is currently um, a biology major and he's on a pre-med course. Um, he, by the way, got on the Simodon and said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Man, you know, this is not for me. So I was like, okay, good. We know we've, we've, we've avoided that, but um, you know, they're on a pretty strict you know, science is, is very, is very much predominant in his course load. So I would rather him know this year, again, he's a sophomore. I'd rather him know this year, uh uh-oh, this, I've just taken a really hard, you know, chem class or something. And this is not, I don't think I should be going in this direction. Great. Let's figure this out now. Um, And so, yeah, that is one thing that we try to, to tell students and hopefully, you know, we're going to get that message out and there, and this will become the norm. Um, and this will become something that the students are really, really looking forward to. And they, they just know to make time to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's move on. So the next, you, you have five stages of groups and five stages of development with a dentist that you guys are working through, correct? Right. We have a, um, it's five stages in its full life cycle, dental education and simulation courses. 
So we offer with um, pre-dental and international students also who are working to get into um, the dental schools, um, dental school students. So we can help them with their remediation if they you know, should need it while they're a dental school student. Um, dental school grads, so prepping for the, the boards and the boards themselves. And then continuing education for practicing dentists and dentists who need remediation. Great. So let's go to, let's talk a little bit about the pre-clinical uh, area of a dental student's experience. So a student is really struggling with the mannequin. Obviously, most of the dental schools don't have simidons. Most, uh, there are a few that do, but most schools don't have them. They're very expensive to to put in. So I, you know, just speaking from my position at Tufts, we don't have any simidons um, in the school. So they are working 100% on mannequins. And when they're in the clinic, that's a very different experience than this simidon. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and what you see as the pluses and minuses of, of both systems? So one of the things that I, we were just doing today is um, we were looking at some preps that had been done on the Simidon. And I can't speak fully on as far as the mannequin, because I have never done that myself. I've been on the Simidon many times, um, but I've never worked on a mannequin. I would like to do that just to see so I can compare. Um, but the one thing is, is that when it's, it's the visual, the Simidon is so precise. So you know that if you can develop your skill set on that, you're going to see any error that you do, and you're going to be able to practice and correct that. So we offer both at our educational center. We do have mannequins and that could be, that would be part of some CE courses that, um, you know, that people would be would part of what they would want to do sure. um, or need. Um, but I just haven't really been that involved in the mannequins as of yet. But I can tell you that as far as the Simidons, we were doing a comparison today. I was evaluating with Dr. Callen. We were evaluating a bridge prep and the way that what can be seen with that comparison. Now, there's no way in the past anyone can see that with the naked eye. There's just no way. It's it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, and, and do you, I, I can't remember, does the simudon show reflection so that you can see undercuts when you're, when you're prepping? Do you know the, I know. You're I not do, a, well, the undercut is what we were looking at today. Right. Um, and it's, I don't think you can see it on the simudon when you are working on it. If, you know, if you were to actually uh, undercut a little bit too much, you can't see that level of error or that margin of error while you're working on it. You can see, I think if you do it, but you can't tell how much, but then when you put it in, when we compare it, when we do an overlap of an ideal prep, then you can see it. It shows up really well. Very good. So let's talk a little bit about remediation because I myself have experienced a couple of students who's you know, whether a parent died, whether they've had a family emergency, students have had to take six to nine months off and they lose a year's worth exposure to their, you know, their program. And, and because there's no, you know, they may not live close to a dental school. And when you're from another school, you can't go into one without 
getting permission. It's, it's the logistics of trying to practice when you're gone is, is a nightmare. So how is, I, I know Promethean is, is looking to expand across the country. So how is that going to help these students wherever they are? So I guess um, maybe I'm just not educated on that enough to answer the question. Um, I do know I, the only experience that I have it with it right now is we actually do have a dentist in that in that particular situation. She does need to um, get recertified. She took the time off with an Ill, Ill mother, and we are currently building a course for her. We know what she needs. Um, we did have to get that information from the board. But Dr. Callen, having done this for so many years, I mean, he could have already known. He just has to have that actual paper from the board saying this is what they need. And so we are currently, as of today, we were working on that, building a course for her. And what one of the things that we were trying to do was, he said the standard course would have been a five-day course, Monday through Friday, full day, eight to five or eight to four or whatnot. Um, and there is travel involved for this particular doctor. So we're trying to figure out how can we cut this down to a three-day course? And can we have some, you know, maybe didactic lectures that are watched prior to coming in? And then when um, she comes into the center, we can have all of the work on the simodont, the mannequins, and then we can set aside time to do a Q&A session or review any questions that she may have had about the particular topic that she was assigned or that she did have to accomplish. So we're trying to make it easier on dentists to accomplish these things. Any type of CE, we're trying to look at what has been done in the past how can we do it better? And how can we also save them some money, you know? Um, and how can we also hold them accountable to do it? Again, this is something that I don't have experience with and I don't know enough about, but what I have heard is that a lot of times people would go sort of on vacation and they would do their, <laughs> their required CE courses while they were away for um, a few days and whatnot. And you know, are we really holding them accountable? How do we know we really, that they really completed those courses? They did the work they needed to do. They made themselves better as dentists. Um, we, we don't really know. We don't. And I, I think that's the challenge that every board of registration and dentistry has across the country because they have no idea. And you can't prove it just because you took a course doesn't mean that you were actively engaged a lot of people take a course and, you know, zone out or, or are just there in body, but their mind is someplace else. So yeah, it's a really pro big problem. It is. So, you know, we're, so we're trying to work through that because I mean, who wants to go, you know, who you've been out of school for a, a long time. You have a family, you, you have a busy life. You want to, you just want to practice. You want to get to work. You know, so taking five days out, if we can shorten it just a couple of days, but still provide the same level of education um, that is required, then, you know, we would like to offer that to, to people. So, you know, we're working on it. That's great. That's great. Well, I think about um, some of the young moms having, you know, my, my granddaughter just born recently. I think about my daughter. She was in dentistry you know, uh, you know, taking time off to be with your kids for a couple of years 
you know, you might be a little rusty on your skill set and you might want to practice before you actually go into somebody's mouth with a handpiece. And this is going to actually give everybody the opportunity to have a place to go, you know, having these centers built by Promethean, have a place to go, practice, make sure that they get their groove back and can go back into practice confidently knowing that they do, that, that they can do it. Exactly. That's what we're trying to achieve. So you just recently accomplished a huge goal for the company, which was to be approved as the first license by the first licensing examination company in the country. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it was, it was quite an exciting um, week that week. We, um, we are working with credits and we are the, the first company to offer the Simodont as an alternative exam in the state of Georgia. The Georgia Board of Dentistry did approve that for us. Uh, and we are, we are thrilled. Now, what I want, I don't want people to get confused about is that apparently the word simulation has been used for a while now in dentistry because a lot of, a lot of folks will call the mannequin a simulation. And so we, we don't, we started saying, let's say Simodont. They actually named the Simodont um, in the new rule for the, the Georgia board um, so that we could distinguish that from simulation that people are used to hearing. So we, we are ready. We are excited. We're offering to uh, the, the students that are board eligible now if anyone were to take the alternative exam, they can come in and practice with us here in our, our main Athens Educational Center and they can come in for free and practice so that they can get their hands on the machine and understand it. Uh, so that's free. They just have to contact us and let us know that they wanna come in. Wow, that's exciting. So you're, you're allowing them to do it for free. We are. Wow, that's exciting because some of these exams are extremely pricey. I know some of my students are paying upwards of $3,500 for an exam. Right. Well, the exam's not free, the, but prepping on it is. Ah, prepping. So getting prepared. And, getting and prepared. Yes. If they say, I don't know what this machine is. I don't, you know, I'm not sure about this. Come on in. We'll train you on it. Oh, that's exciting. So when, when somebody does initially start training, um, what are they looking at? Are they looking at real teeth? Are you practicing on a block or, you know, what does it look like to them? So initially we put everyone on a series of five blocks. Um, there's a line, there's a direct line, a direct cross, direct circle, indirect cross and indirect circle. So when we first put them on, uh, they start with the line. And we'll show them how, how what they what they need to remove, which is the red area, the target, and avoid the leeway sides and bottom, which is colored green. And then you have the container, the cube, which is a tan color. Uh, so they want to remove all of the red, which is a cavity, so to speak, the caries. So they're going to remove that. The machine actually scores. So as they are removing the red target material. The, the percentage is going up as they're taking that out. Anytime they hit the leeway bottom or size, which is the green around the red, it's going to measure that as well. 
And then to end up with a final score, it's going to take their target, which we prefer to them for them to get all the way to 95% and subtract any of the leeway sides, bottom or container that they accidentally touched. And that's going to give them a final score. Um, so start off with that, let them get a good feel of that and then introduce the mirror. And that of course is, is tricky. It's, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> that is a, a tricky thing to figure out initially because you want your, you have that natural tendency to move your body and, you know, to try to look over it or look under it and whatnot. And with the seminar, you, you can't do that. That's what I love about the Simidon because you can't bend over to look. I used to see my students do that all the time. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to do this for 50 years in practice. You just cannot because your neck is going to be in really bad shape. And so is your back. So you got to learn how to use it. I had um, a teacher when I was in hygiene school teach us how to do that. And I'll, I'll show this to you at some point. Um, they, they had us take a mirror and put it up in front of us. And you had to look in the mirror and write your name the right way. So in the mirror, it had to look right. So it makes your mind go backwards with your hand. So in the beginning, it's so difficult because you just can't get it. But the more I learn to do that, as soon as I get in the mouth, I have no problem with my mirror. So I'm very thankful that I was taught that at a very young, young age um, in hygiene school because it really helped me in dental school. I bet it did. I've never tried that. I would love to try that. And then try it with your left hand, right? If you're right-handed, try it with your left hand. That'd be even more challenging. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, exactly. one of the first things that one of the first things that people do when they get on them on the machine and they see that block and they tap on it and they can feel it, they will naturally look underneath because they can't believe that they can feel that and there's nothing there. I know. So we always kind of chuckle because we know that they're going to look underneath and see <laughs> what, what it is underneath. Oh, there's nothing there. It's actually, you know, it's all virtual. So, um, but yeah, so we take them through the series of the, of the five blocks and um, they get comfortable and then they just practice, practice, practice. Wow. That's great. Okay. So you have one center in Georgia and you have one coming in Michigan. I, I understand. Yes. And where else are you hoping to go? Well, we're hoping to go to Boston. I know <laughs> we are definitely hoping um, to go there. Chicago, um, Nebraska was on our radar. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful? We could just open up 18 centers across the U S right away so that this is accessible, accessible to everyone. Um, but that takes a lot of time. So we're, we're working our way through it, but we are, we are very excited about the opportunities every day that are coming our way, meeting so many dynamic people, people that just have such a passion for this industry, people that give this industry a heartbeat. Um, it's truly, it's truly amazing. It's been fascinating. I will say that the one thing I, I having been in, in dentistry since I was a little girl, 14, I think it was my first foray. I have never there that you can't go far without knowing somebody first of all um the dent the dental world is extremely small people just seem to know everyone and we all know each other so that's the one thing but 
throughout COVID, the one thing that I can honestly say is I have never seen a community of people who just love this industry so much support one another to get through this because it was challenging for many of my colleagues. It was challenging for many private practice dentists because you didn't know where, where your next dollar was going to come from. It was frightening. If you have, and, and, and it's unfortunate, but it, many practices are like this. You know, if you have a cash poor practice, it, it, it had to have caused a significant amount of stress. I, I think people aged about 10 years uh, through this past year because of the, the stress, but the community really did pull together and support one another. I, I know that even the manufacturers, you know, knew we needed to get back to work. They were doing everything they possibly can. In fact, I, I know a dentist who set up uh, a his basement and his practice to manufacture N95 masks just so you know, everybody around him, you know, obviously he, he could sell them too, but just so that everyone around him had access to N95 masks. And I, I thought that was just a, a, an honorable thing to do. If you have the ability to do it, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great industry. So um, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask you some more personal questions. You know, you're, you're actually on a board and it's not um, very often that females get on boards. And because we have pretty much a female audience, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. What is it like to be on a, a board of, uh, of a company and represent the female gender on that board? And any stories of non-acceptance of you being there or is it pretty much you're an equal player just like everybody else? Oh my gosh. No, I feel, I feel completely like an equal player. That's nice. I have no issues with that whatsoever. It feels like a family to me, honestly, more and more every day. I think that, you know, everyone values each other's opinions and listens to any questions or potential directions that we might want to take this company. Um, I do, I am the only female <laughs> in the company officially so far. Um, but I, it, it's been, it's been fantastic. I, I really, I can't say anything but good about, but good about it. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, having been in, in academia and in many board situations, not on company boards, but you know, there's still a little politics that goes on. So I, I just thought I would ask, and I love hearing that there is none because you know, often that's just not the case. So maybe we're making some headway. I think so. I mean, definitely, especially in the last year, there's been a lot of, of progress in many different areas of people's lives. I totally agree with you. Totally. And agree with you. it's wonderful to see. It really, it really is. Um, well, thank goodness, you know, Promethean was ready to, to start, you know, getting out there because goodness gracious, talk about perfect timing. I mean, everybody realizes now how much more we can do with a, vision, uh, a virtual platform, how much more we can do, you know, remotely. 
you know, we're able to teach. We taught a whole, almost a whole year remotely, uh, first and second year remotely, and students did not come into the to the building. So there's something to be said for, you know, that being a silver lining, because now we know we can do so many more things. And students, you know, one of the things that I've always been in, in awe of, students would never go to class. <laughs> So you would have a um, faculty member at the front of the auditorium, which is huge, by the way, uh, where I am. And, you know, maybe five or six people would be in class and the rest would be at home either doing it remotely or watching it later when, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning and they feel like studying then. So it, it, this makes it easier for everybody to get what they need, I think. And so great, great outcome of COVID-19 forcing us to come on, smarten up people. There's other ways to do these things instead of the status quo. Well, I agree. There's always a silver lining or there's always blessings um, that come along with, with negative things. And this was definitely one for us. I mean, it gave us some time for R&D, research and development. It gave us some time to really expand on the idea of what this could potentially be. Um, you know, we started off just really focusing on the pre-dental students. And the more that you dig in and the more that you talk to people, and that takes time, you know, that really takes time to explore that. But having that time in 2020 to really investigate this, I think was a blessing for us and is just going to be something that, that turns out to be a blessing for everybody in the long run. Absolutely. So, yeah. We're really happy about it. I know that you guys are positioned to really take off this year. So congratulations and, and kudos to all of you and your team for establishing this. I know that education is going to change because of you. Thank you. Well, we, we're up for the challenge. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Donna. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.